Hey, this is uh, another episode of Social Misfit with Chloe Hilliard, uh, me, your host. And we are just two days after the election. And I wanted to do this podcast. I mean, it was already it was already scheduled, but of course, it was no way to not address our feeling, our sentiment, our fear, our worry, our concern. Um, my guest today is Kenny DeForest, who is a comedian and all around great guy, super smart and very frank and open about uh, white privilege. He is a white male, uh, grew up in middle America, aka Trump country. So the conversation you're about to hear runs a full spectrum. You know, we try to keep it as much to the format as possible, uh, but there's no way you can do a show about a social media post and it not deal with politics at this day and time. So I apologize if this is not the lighthearted, fun, whimsical conversation. I mean, of course, we do hit some funny notes. And I apologize if this is stuff that you don't want to hear because you're just exhausted. But, you know, we find that talking about these things makes it a little bit more uh, understandable where another person's coming from. So I implore all of you. I encourage everyone. I strongly, strongly do that sometimes talking to someone who you feel like you don't see eye to eye with. Um, or you can't fathom how they think the way that they do may bring some growth and some enlightenment for both parties involved. And Kenny's not that guy. He's not a Trump supporter by any means, but he understands people who are. He comes from at some point in his life. He was a Republican because that was what was bestowed upon him. So he's changed and he's had an awakening. And I think that conversation and experiences brings those things out so sorry for rambling but I just wanted to preface this episode because you know we'll get back to the funny you know crazy whimsical ratchet shit but this is where we are right now in America so you know we have to address it so thank you for listening you're listening to social misfit Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Social Misfit with Chloe Hilliard. Today, I am joined by comedian and Chicago native, Kenny DeForest. Yeah, hello. Hi. Were you surprised? You just looked at me like, oh, okay, is that no. all? Well, I, I was deciding if I was going to uh, correct you. I actually am oh, a, yeah, that's I'm right. a Missouri native. That's right. You're a Missouri native. But, but comedy, comedy. comedically, I'm Chicago native. You're a native. It's funny because uh, when you're a comedian, you are identified by uh, the benchmarks in your career. Mm-hmm. So you may be born somewhere but if you start a comedy everybody just automatically think that's where you're from mm-hmm. yeah totally like, and, and i i support chicago sports teams too so i, th- I don't think that helps <laughs> you often see me in a bulls or a bears hat so i think people uh rightfully make that assumption um i am a new york native but all of my closest friends in comedy well most like 99.9 percent of them are from philly mm. so people think i'm from philly oh that's weird yeah so they're like yeah so we're part of philly you're from um, brooklyn i'm from brooklyn oh, yeah, new I'm from york the brooklyn part of philly <laughs> it's about it's a two-hour bus ride from philly yeah it is um you can get to some parts of new york city faster um, you can get to philly faster than you can to some parts of new york city if you have to go from like brooklyn to the bronx you might as well just go to philly yeah totally yeah it's terrible i actually referenced that in a joke about how you can be in the same borough as somebody and still be in a long distance relationship. Yep. And I, I, I figured out I could probably have gotten to Philly faster than my first girlfriend in New York. <laughs> how long was, did that relationship last? Not very. <laughs> not very. 
We made it to about one fight. I was like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, you'd be like, and I got to swipe my metric card back? No, and it's local. The trans is local. Fuck out of here. Yep, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming to the end. All right, Kenny. So this is, you know, you know the drill. Maybe mm-hmm. not. My podcast is very new. But the premise of the show is you read a post um, from social media. And, you know, this, we are in a hotbed, a hotbed yeah. of emotions. Totally. So take it away. Please oh, read okay. your post. So, you know, this was in reaction to um, the national travesty that just took place on Tuesday with the election of Donald Trump. And I was trying to wrap my head around um, how this happened. And and really, my whole thing is always look in the mirror and clean your own house first. Mm-hmm. So I'm a liberal, I'm on the left. That's where I spend all of my time yeah. for the most part. I understand some parts of conservatism, um, but for the most part, I'm a leftist. And uh, you know, I was thinking, what, what role did liberals play in this? So this is what I came up with. This is my post starting right now. PC and outrage culture played a huge role in this. It made the left look like weak and unappealing bullies. Online witch hunts uh, pushed the middle away. Too many blogs and think pieces and too much word policing and name calling. Middle ground folks don't fuck with that. Actually says mess with that because my mom's on Facebook. But the tweets (laughs) said fuck with that. Uh, And then I actually, through conversation, had a comment that I really liked that kind of finished the thought. So I later added it to the initial status and it said, we spent so much time chasing comedians and TV personalities with torches that when the real racist sexes came along, no one would listen because they just heard quote libtard buzzwords in quote. It's like the boy who cried wolf, but much more serious. Yeah. So it's, so you're, so from that you feel as though that the liberal movement contributed to Yes. Trump winning. Yeah, I think we push a lot of uh, middle ground people away. Some, some. I think people are disgusted by people are disgusted by word policing. You know, it's the First Amendment. If you've noticed, conservatives are pretty obsessed with the Constitution and mm-hmm. the order of freedoms. Yeah. And the only one that's right before the Second Amendment is the first. Yeah. Which is speech. Um, and I agree with calling people out that are openly racist especially if it's like you know that donald sterling the clippers guy i mean that guy was actively pursuing yeah. racist policies in real estate i mean that guy needs to be well donald trump did too donald trump did too yeah but when you have things like calling for tv personalities jaw you know like michael che has been witch hunted witch hunted all over the yeah. internet and um whenever you're constantly doing things like that it just slowly diminishes the strength of your word with people that don't fuck with that stuff and I don't know. I think outrage culture, it's that whole idea of everything that happens, everyone's appalled and everyone's got to start a petition to get someone fired. Mm-hmm. We have to react to everything that happens. And then when the real thing comes along, when there's a real threat, so yeah. many people have tuned out those words, racist, sexist, misogynist, all of that are very real things. But whenever they're just thrown around so casually, it means nothing anymore. Yeah. So, so you, so when I say that, and I did tweet this uh, for a period of time that um, if you vote, if you vote for Trump, you're racist. Mm. Do you think that's too blanket of a statement? Yes, but I, okay. The way I would adjust that is I would say if you vote for Donald Trump, you're voting for a racist. Yes, but the thing is, is that people don't. That doesn't. That doesn't. 
make someone associate themselves with racism. I think, see, to me, I feel like if you vote for Trump, you know, well, past tense, if you voted for Trump, then it is compliance. You are totally. in agreement. I would agree with you. With his actions, which means that they don't appall you enough to the point where you can step away, which means you can, you can, you're condoning it. It's like, I mean, I used to watch First 48 obsessively. Oh, well, not obsessively, but I used to watch it and I had to stop because it's just so negative. But mm-hmm. people, you see people who are getting like 20, 30 years in prison because they were in a car that was involved in the drive-by. And they mm-hmm. say, well, you were there. So my thing is, if you're voting for Trump or voted, as you can see, I have not processed this uh, this whole election thing. If you voted for him, then you are a part of the problem. Yeah. You're guilty. So you can't separate yourself like, no, 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 I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I did vote for him, but I'm not racist. So now you have and you're in encouraging this behavior. And I don't feel like you should be able to separate the man from the racism because you voted for all of it. Yeah. No, I would actually agree with you there. Um, and I feel that, I mean, I feel like, yeah, you're, you're racist to the point that you were willing to accept all of the horrific things that he said and has proposed to do and has done, um, for lower taxes. I mean, really it's a financial argument from almost all Trump supporters. Obamacare is, is, uh, draining my business or, you know, we don't need a bigger government. What are we paying these taxes for? Which here's the thing. I agree on some of that. You know, yeah. um, but it, like to me, it's not even, cl- it wasn't even close. And I, I have been distrustful of Hillary Clinton for a long time. Mm-hmm. So for someone like me, for it to be easy for me to decide to vote for Hillary, yeah. it's shocking to me. Well, I think to me, it's a, it's a, what is it? It's a puppet show. In the sense that with Hillary, you know what the strings are. You know that she's a part of the the system, right? So you can look back and see her trail. Like, okay, she's she's voted for this. She's not voted for this. She's a part of this. She's not a part. Like, you can you know what it is. Like, you can figure out how this is going to go. Because you mm-hmm. see the strings. You see what she's attached to. Yeah. You don't know what the hell Donald Trump is attached to. No. And so for me, that even though I don't necessarily agree with her, you know, her past issues of things that she said when it comes to the black community when it comes to haiti there's a bunch of shit that clinton's did that really fucked up haiti i mean you should if you don't know you should really google it but it's it's atrocious and it's it, atrocious yeah and so there are a lot of things that they put in place that have definitely negatively impacted uh communities of color um but at least now she's like i understand those errors whether you think she flip flop or not, at least she addressed them. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Trump and you're like, so you said these things. No, I didn't. <laughs> what are you going to do about this thing? Like, you know, he took down leading up to the election. He took down um, the mention of like banning all Muslims. And when they had the last debate, he mentioned it. He was like, I didn't say that. And Pence said, oh, he didn't say that. And so now today, days after the election, he put it back up on his website that he's going to ban all Muslims. So that's the shit I'm talking about. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just think that... I don't understand how people can't see a wolf and a wolf and a wolf. Like you, like, you know, he's a fucking wolf. There's yeah. no, I shouldn't have to explain that to you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've been trying to figure out again, look in the mirror time. Yeah. Um, and one thing I saw one. Th- so it was an interview with the guy who wrote this book, Hillbilly Elegy. Named J.D. Vance. I have not read the book. I've heard nothing but amazing things. And I've heard 
two interviews about the book. At What's this called point. Hillbilly? Hillbilly Effigy, not Elegy. Effigy, Effigy. effigy. Um, and it's about basically, it's the guy who grew up in Appalachia uh, to very poor, as self-referred hillbilly people, um, went on to the military, then graduated from state school in Ohio, Ohio State, and then Yale Law. And it's basically a book apparently about the poor white people in America and how how they are a largely overlooked segment of the population mm-hmm. because basically the point he makes is liberals go to bat for minorities, people of color, but then they feel comfortable looking down their nose at poor white people. Yeah. Um, and so the basic point he was making, he's like, you know, the Democrats used to be the party that would go to these like Rust Belt towns mm-hmm. and talk about how they were going to bring factory jobs back. Yeah. But they're like liberals haven't touched on that in over 16 years. Yeah. So then be, Trump comes in. He's like, I'm going like, to bring yeah. to that one. Hey, I'm going to bring your factory job back. Then they don't, everything else is zoned out. They don't yeah. have, they don't have black people in their communities being like, Hey man, what about this other shit? Mm-hmm. So it's just easy to overlook. Yeah. And then we you know we all get in bubbles, but the conservative bubble in particular, just, they almost just like cross argue they, they never answer for these things. They just keep bringing up more questions or the turn yeah. to Hillary. Oh yeah, but that's that's the thing. thing. Like, and you know, when I when I was engaging with people here and there, I would say, "So tell me why you hate Obama? What what? So what are the th- what are the three things that he's done that has so been so horrendous for America?" And then they say, uh, "They say Benghazi, which is a tangent into Hillary. They say um, not enough military spending." and uh obamacare and i was like so but how are those how was how is obamacare bad for people who never had coverage because if you take it away then you're not no one's gonna have coverage and if you don't have a job you then now you gotta get on medicaid medicare i always get them confused um so it's like so then that spends more taxpayers money so what what exactly because you know what it is because they're not educated you know, you have high, high numbers of uneducated white people who voted for Trump because they're not educated and they don't know how to process the fact from the fiction or remove the opinion from the news. They just take away, like you said, these buzzwords. So it's Benghazi, it's emails, it's, you know, um, transgender bathroom like that. The HB2 bill had so much other crazy shit in it. But everybody's because well, we don't want them in our bathrooms. And it's like, but there's so much. Do you understand that this bill says that now you cannot sue an employer for um discrimination at all that's also a part of that bill it's not just the bathroom shit so like ageism sexism religion like if you lose your job you cannot you cannot fire on the grounds of discrimination in north carolina nobody nobody paid attention to that so it's just like well can we just say that they're dumb and maybe help them learn shit like how like how i mean i don't know if people know by telling you but you're white so like yeah how can we let them know that they need to fucking smarten up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because you said you've been talking of, to some Trump supporter friend. Well, I don't, do you call them friends now? No, uh, <laughs> I, try, I try to. Um, yeah, it's it's really tricky. I mean, part of the problem is you know those guys, those guys that I maybe maybe that's the reason politics never come up with those people. Maybe we just instinctively knew we disagreed and it never came up. Mm-hmm. Like I have one friend I didn't even know till today. 
and I've been posting shit all along, and he just never responded. I hung out with him, but that and that's what, but that's what happened. All of those people never commented publicly, nope. and they just went and voted. And so that's why I was like, where the hell did all these people come from? Because they just knew not to talk about they knew it, not to talk about it in public. Which also, you know, that implicitly says that you knew something was off, and you voted that way anyway. No, uh, I think they just. I think that. I think that white people don't like to be challenged period end of story yeah whether they're dumb as fuck or rich as fuck they feel entitled and they feel like they shouldn't have to explain themselves their their thought process they shouldn't have to take into consideration anybody else's feelings or how their decision will impact people like the simple fact that you have like you know or one thing trump said that he's going to do is reverse it so that now they can build the keystone pipeline so the fact that you don't give a fuck about people's land their family their health same thing with the um the pipe that the Native Americans are boycotting in North Dakota. The fact that they're like, Bismarck was able to vote so that they didn't have the pipe because they knew that there was a chance that that pipe could affect their their drinking water. So they was like, well, just fucking go through the Indians' land. We don't give a shit about them. So the fact that there's this self-serving attitude constantly on every level, yeah. every level, totally. means that you just really don't give a fuck because you never had to give a fuck. You know, and so as soon as somebody says, oh, well, you don't give a fuck and you have a history of not giving a fuck. Yeah, you're racist. I'm not racist. I think people, we just throw that word around so easily. No, no, no. That's the definition of racist. You don't give a fuck about anybody that doesn't look like you. Yeah. That's what it means. Yeah. And then you are also taking part in things that benefit you, but also suppress other people. Mm-hmm. And then you want to turn around and be like, well, I can't say black people are racist. You damn right you can't say black people are racist because we aren't jeopardizing your livelihood and your health and your finances the mm-hmm. way you do ours. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to hear that. No, and they don't want to They don't want to connect the dots. Like tax cuts. You know, my grandparent. well, I only have one grandmother, living grandmother left, but her and her late husband, uh, Fox News Republicans, I love how you say Fox News Republicans. Meaning like by the book, only get their news from Fox News. You know, I there, I know some conservatives that are more libertarian that I would actually say are intelligent people that just, in their mind, the government is what's doing all of this harm. So yeah. we need to minimize it, mm-hmm. which a lot of that is appealing to me too. Yeah. You know, when you, when you look at what the active waves of oppression are, you know, I think societally a lot of it is more... Um, not as uh, blatant. It's a little more of that passive aggressive or that little like hidden. Yeah. The government can straight up go out and oppress. Like, yes. The government can send agents of the government to neighborhoods to fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. So there's part of libertarianism where I'm like, yeah, if we minimize the power of the government, that minimizes the power to do that. Yeah. Um, but the government hasn't done that. The government doesn't do I mean, all of the things that these people are accusing them of doing. And if it does, it doesn't affect them as nearly as much as it does people of color. Right. You get what I'm saying? Like white. Oh, but that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think like when you look at like Fred Hampton and stuff like that, I mean, that was agencies of the government. Yeah, but that wasn't what I'm saying. And I said this before. I, rem, I don't remember where I said this in conversation, but white people are angry about shit that has not happened to them. Mm hmm. Hypothetical shit, yeah. Hypothetical shit. So Fred Hampton, there's no, there's, I can't, I can't name of a white person who was profiled by the government or assassinated by agents of the government or a movement, a white movement that was crippled other than Waco, Texas. Yeah. That's it. Even the Bundy brothers got fucked. They got off. Yeah. And if, and if, if it was a white person killed by the government, it was for financial things. Like, you know, the theory is that the guy that invented the engine that runs on hydrogen disappeared. Yeah. But yeah. that's not because he's white. It's because he 
is bad for big oil. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, well, and even, um, what's it called? Even like, oh, and I was arguing with people, not arguing, but engaging in conversation with, you know, these staunch conservatives about the election. They were like, well, Hillary's a, cl- a criminal. And this guy, this, some random white guy who leaked files, who end up being found murdered in his apartment, he's a hero. And I was like, I have no idea who this guy is, but trust and believe that shit happens way more to people of color then you hear about it. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, like it's constantly like white people are upset about shit that really doesn't happen to them yeah. nearly as much. And that's where racism comes from. So you're upset about, you're upset about the blacks and the Mexicans, but you live in a town with no black people and no Mexicans. Right, right. Whereas what, what people of color have instances proven, documented of being harassed, assaulted, wrongly accused, arrested, lynched, set on fire, house shot up, cross burning in the front yard and we're nowhere near as angry as white people are about shit that did not happen to them Mm -hmm. yeah i read an interesting thing about how uh it was about the comparisons people are making to the demonstrations happening yesterday Mm -hmm. to what happened when obama first got elected and the whole not my president i mean that was conservatives were saying that about him yeah Um, also strangely enough hitler comparisons for now three elections in a row yeah uh from whatever side lost Mm -hmm. um but the 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 interesting difference that the article i was reading pointed out was the conservatives protesting obama's election were afraid of what he was hiding it was all hypothetical it was he's a muslim he's mm-hmm. not american he uh secretly is a communist all of these things whereas trump were afraid of things he said he's going to do mm-hmm. yeah these are these are things he has proposed these are things he has said these are things he has done mm-hmm So it's like such a false equivalency where it's like, no, no, no. You were being paranoid about what you thought this man was. Mm -hmm. We are reacting to what this man says he is. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about like your upbringing. You grew up in Missouri and now, you you know, you grew grew up in Missouri. You've been in Chicago. You went away to school. You live in New York City for a couple years now. At what point did you have your awakening? Um, I'd say it, it's been kind of a slow process, really. I mean, I'm starting, I'm even just now starting to get comfortable talking about uh, some of the th- some things like because it's it's easy to get up there and be like progressive and liberal. The crowd's like, oh wow, this guy gets it. But, well, yeah, but that's because you're you're in the place where they yeah are accept that right. Yeah, if I did that in the in the middle of the country, it might go differently. And mm-hmm. we're gonna find out because I'm not gonna stop doing that. Yeah. Um, but I, I called white women out last night. It was beautiful. I loved it. Oh, nice. Where were you? Um, I was at some little nice nice little hotel, J- the Jane Hotel. It was a monthly show. Um and. And I went Here in there New York? in New York City and I went there and I said to the room, um, when one of the services, one of the memorial services for the white feminist movement happening, I have a friend that wants to bring a three bean salad and you could just see the white women be like, oh, fuck. And all the gay guys were cracking up. And I was like, no, no, no. I said, no, we got to talk about it. I said, it's so fresh. I said, white women, you got to take responsibility for your sisters. Yeah, you gotta take responsibility. Your sister, like, and and you gotta take responsibility for your sisters. Sixty six percent, if you don't know, sixty six percent of white women voted for Donald Trump, which means they put their white privilege above their femininity, yeah, above their gender. So that means yeah. that your like your whiteness is more important than your womanhood, which means you're gonna vote for a man who who threatened to make it illegal and punishable by fine for women to have abortions, and you're a woman. 
You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. every woman, every woman doesn't matter what race you are. Every single woman has had a pregnancy scare. And we know that feeling of being like, I'm not prepared to have this child. What am I going to do? Those thoughts, those options. Now that option is being taken away from, or you got to go and do backdoor abortion. So that alone, or the fact that he's said that he's a sexual predator, yeah. like those things for white women to be like, no, I don't like her. And then so um, I saw on, on the internet, somebody posted, it was like the reason why white women voted for him is because they have more of a, their, their security rests in patriarchy because for so long in America, white women have been told you're housewives. Mm-hmm. This idea of the feminist movement is so, it's so it's new. insulting to them. They, they get upset. Yeah. White women that aren't actively feminists mm-hmm. hate it. They hate it hate because the idea also, of feminism. and also, their their idea of being a woman is rooted in religion. Yep, and the man is the leader of the house, and all of that. You know, sure, patriot, macho sure. And also, I think there's a little bit of you know, in the same way that like, you know, Catholics are such slut shamers. Yeah. Well, it's a religion based around you. You can't enjoy these things. So when you see people having the freedom to enjoy, how it, dare you? Like, cause then that invalidates my experience. Yeah. If you're still, if you're doing these things and you're still okay, then what's the justification for me not, not doing to these? do them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why everybody should do drugs, have orgies, yeah. take it up the butt, just go, do go ham, go, go ham, ham. Put that, put and that. then decide that you don't like it, but don't not like it. And then look at me like, don't get mad at me cause I'm eating ice cream and you over to eating salad. Yeah. Get you some fucking ice cream. Get you some fucking ice cream. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was actually, to go back to your question about awakening, I mean, I, I had so many things I had to unpack. So Fox News grandparents were actually my favorite grandparents. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was the funniest man I've ever met in my life. Was he inappropriate? Like, did you get to a point where you would say stuff that was funny, but you were like, That's, that might be a little... Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. He usually stayed away from that stuff when joking, though. Like, when joking, he was just a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um and I, towards the end of his life, he began to soften up. I think he started to see some of the error of his ways. Because mm. he was just a team player. He was a Republican, staunch through and through. Yeah. I don't even think about it. Like, he stumped for Nixon. I mean, this guy wow. was involved. Mm-hmm. He was part of White Flight. You know, he, he was in Chicago, downtown, raised in the south side of Chicago. The expressway goes in. White people go to the suburbs. Yeah. He was part of all that. Um, so, but it's weird to have a guy that you look up to. You know, he was a Catholic and this, I don't think, because like my parents are both free thinking people, but I think they, their reaction to, I think a lot of their parents' political activeness was to almost be like inactive. inactive in yeah. Way. Like they were hippies. They were very involved when they were younger. And then I think as they got older, they took a more, let's just enjoy our lives approach. Yeah. And let's not make politics more serious than it needs to be, mm-hmm. which I think there's a lot of white privilege in that. I was just um, about, I'm so glad you said it. There's definitely, because this is like how the needle doesn't move so far in either direction. For you, for our For lives. you, yeah. yeah. Right, and that's what I, I posted. That's another social media post I had yesterday was, uh, you know, it's amazing to see Trump supporters so happy he won when all you had to lose was, a, was maybe a little tax money and a small bit of freedom yeah. When other people are fearing for their lives and are sobbing. So, I don't know any Trump supporters that would have been crying had he lost. And if they were, it'd be this weird hysteria. No, they wouldn't have been crying. They would have been irate, angry, taken. I think that there would have been violence. There would have been more, much more than we're seeing now. And I'm surprised at, at all of these things. If you if you want to know what we're mentioning, is that um, Sean King, who is a, a political writer for the New York Post. Daily Post. They, no, Daily Mail. 
No, Daily News. Daily News, New York Daily News. Well, Daily Mail is fucking the yeah. UK. Yeah. Um, well, Sean King, he is a reporter, and he has been retweeting on his Twitter feed instances of violence, harassment um, across the country, and he's been posting these incidences. So, like, there was a picture in like a college campus of a black baby tied up in an elevator that somebody Snapchat and sent to him. A woman, she said she was on the line in a grocery store and had her job. Multiple women have said that they've had their her jobs pulled off an asian woman was pumping gas and was told chink you better get out of this country it's like just the absurdity of it which shows the ignorance which means that that is happening and he won if he had lost i think it would be so much worse that's part of what i was talking about with uh you know clark jones my roommate mm-hmm. it was like because we were talking about this before the election it's like i'm almost more afraid of him losing i am i am i'm more afraid of him losing uh, because I do think that they white people have been prepared for years now to start a race war and a riot, and they've been piling up guns. That's why the NRA is like, no, we're never going to allow gun reform because these people are buying guns every week. Like when when Obama won office, gun sales went up mm-hmm. both times. Yeah. So they have been stockpiling and doomsday prepping, and you know buying a can oodles and noodles, whatever the fuck they eating in the bunkers, sad state of like. Affairs, man. Okay, so when did you have your awakening? Oh, was yeah. there was there a like a definitive moment or? Well, and so to yeah, I guess was it was it Halloween? Uh, no, no. Well, that was definitely part of it. Um, it was just all of. Well, I was lucky that I went to a uh, liberal arts college. That definitely helped. I, one of the first classes I took in in school was called Alpha, <laughs> which was just like a class all freshmen take. So the school I went to, there was a required minor called Global Studies, mm-hmm. where it was just like a hodgepodge of courses designed to sort of broaden your worldview. That's nice. Yeah, it's cool. Um, Alpha was kind of like the the one hundred and one of that. Mm-hmm. So it was just like we're just going to talk about, you know, like we're going to sit around and talk about abortion today. And you, and you guys are gonna you guys are gonna I'm not laughing but debate. like yeah we're just gonna sit around and talk about like it. you walk into class like oh what are we gonna learn abortions yeah. we talk about abortions late first term yeah second I think, term I, I think it was geared towards learning how to talk about things and yes. learning how to form an opinion and and defend it and then also listen to someone else's opinion and so Alpha was really big for me um, and also too you know I bought into the Catholic thing really hard when I was young yeah you know, I was, uh, there was even a stretch in my life where at least my grandma and grandpa were convinced I was going to join the clergy. And I definitely was considering it. Now, this is like young teenage. Before you got some pussy. Yeah, before I got some Def- pussy. I knew I had to be pre got some pussy. Let me tell you something. Pussy will change your life. Changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason why these people are killing themselves overseas, bombing up shit, thinking they're getting 72 virgins. Because if you was getting pussy, you would not kill yourself. No. You just keep getting more pussy. You keep getting more pussy. And first of all, who wants to fuck 72 virgins? No, terrible. It is not fun. Terrible. Can't be. Yeah, you only get like one or two half a strokes in, and then that's <laughs> it. There used to be a lot of girls crying and saying, ow. And yeah, and you know, I mean, I feel like if they are in heaven, they wouldn't be crying. Like, you would, like, do, since it's in heaven, do they, does the virginity come right is it back? Is just tight virgin pussy that's like, but with no. Yeah, I, but no I, I want to know, like, is it one of those things that be, it's like vampires, like, they, once they are there, they won't, you can't change their body. Right. So, like, if you're a virgin in heaven, are you just always a virgin in heaven? Maybe. Like, or or maybe you, everyone goes back to virgin. But yeah, what I'm saying is like if you if I'm a virgin to heaven and I see what a dude who killed himself so he can get some of this virgin pussy, as soon as he pulls out, does my hymen immediately go back? I should. It should go this back like like the Red Sea. You know what? How, is that what you want? What? 
You want I, the hymen to go back? I would, me personally, I would fuck, of course I would not want it to go back, but if that's the terms and conditions of me being in heaven, then fuck yeah, I guess I got to keep getting my pussy popped. That's true. Every Tuesday Damn. for my mood or whoever the fuck killed himself. Yeah, that sounds like a bad deal for you. That's you gotta, a you terrible bad deal. I feel like God is the ruler and creator of all things, if you believe in that. And so he should just have pocket pussies up there in heaven for people to come like, oh, you thought you was getting, it is, this is a virgin pocket pussy. Mm. 72 here you go what if it's a what if it's like a mistranslation and it just means that like if you're a dude you get fucked in the ass by 72 dudes oh wow see and it's just like one of those little mistrans it's like don't blow people up if you do then you get fucked in the ass by 72 your virgin ass is gonna get fucked by 72 dudes 72 dudes of of the race you hate the most we should start that rumor we need to put that on the internet and just hashtag it something that they will believe let it know yeah yeah motherfuckers know yeah People will believe it. Totally. It just, Guys, just, this just in. And then we could even just like, if we have a friend that like works at a print shop, we could almost make it look like a page of religious text. Oh, just yes. Like, just like snap like a picture. Yeah. Well, you know, it. we could, if we have, we can have some really people, some creative people just recreate it like a, on like some Dead Sea Scroll shit. Yeah. You know, get some old age paper. Some parchment Yeah, shit. parchment paper. And then have the edges be like a little eroded off. Hand write it. Hand written. Yeah, get text. some cuneiform. Yeah. Yep. The pen, penalty for penalty for suicide is getting fucked in the ass by seventy two big dick Muslims, big like dick. the African ones, not the fucking Palestinian. I'm talking about like the Sudan, mm-hmm. the Nubian king heritage ancestry, big old donkey dicks. Yeah, it's gonna be like that scene from Baby Boy when his mom's just getting fucked all over the house. Yep, 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 and yep. Just <laughs> it's gonna be just like that. Except for you and with a dick in your butt. That's it. Unless you're gay. And then, uh, then, get, then it's 72 women. You have yeah, to, you have, you have, have to fuck sex. each of them to completion. <laughs> to completion? Oh, yeah. that's going to be forever. Yeah. It's going to be so hard to get that nut out. Wow. Oh, he'll be crying. Looking at the dude getting fucked in the ass being like, that's what I really yeah, want. Yeah, he already had to go through being a gay Muslim. Yeah. Oh, man, that's two hells. That is. That's terrible. But see, you see the absurdity of all, like the absurdity of this. Oh, it's insane. It's insane. And I mean, and like, all right, so I have a buddy who plays in the NBA. Um, his name is Anthony Tolliver. Are you and, are you going to make me uh, bleep his name out after this or are you going to keep his name in? Oh, I don't know. I think that's fine. Okay. Because I mean, these are things he posted publicly. Okay, good. He became a little more political towards the end. He's a Christian. He's uh, he, he's a, he's a still a believer. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, thinks for himself. And I, th- I think he's also black, so he's been forced to think about this election in different ways. Yes. And um, I just want to commend the NBA for actually speaking. Not everybody, but a lot of them have been speaking out about the the terribleness of a Trump presidency. Yeah. Whereas the NFL has been almost definitely radio silent. Silence. Radio silent. The NFL sucks. I, yeah. I can barely watch it anymore. The NFL I, I'm sucks. Pretty, and I'm, what's his name? Sherman from the Seahawks, Richard right? Sherman, yeah. He he said it's not fun. It's not fun. Yeah. Like because first of all, the NFL is essentially modern day slavery in a sense. Well, a dentured servitude. Let's put it that way. They're getting paid, but it's not. Yeah, they're getting paid, but they don't have guaranteed contracts. I, I would say. I would say it's would definitely modern a, day gladiators. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So yeah, they're um they're all Spartacus. Yeah. And my thing is, that job could kill you. No, hundred percent. So, would you take a job where you could fucking go crazy and shoot yourself in the head because you just can't? Your brain doesn't work. I, I would say I wouldn't have a pro- I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it if the NFL didn't go out of its way to hide all that information. I think that's where they fucked up really badly. I think if as soon as this stuff started coming out, if they try to get out ahead of it, 
I think this would be a different ball game. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I mean, coal miners are taking risks. They, they might die any day. But which blows my mind, which brings us back to Trump, is like, if you are a coal miner and that industry is dead, why would you fight to bring it back knowing that you're going to get um, minor lungs or whatever you call them when you get black, lung, lung. black lungs? Like, like, how about just go to, go to junior college and get a goddamn tech trade? Like, learn how to fix a computer. Learn how to build microchips. Learn how to code. Like, why are you fighting to? Because this is, I guess, it's a nostalgia. It's a pride, but that doesn't mean just because your grandpa, your pappy did it, that you should do it too. Which is why I feel like this movement of wanting to make America great again is so retarded. Oh, it's ridiculous. Because growth is moving forward. You know, he just, he just, he already said that um, a climate change denier is going to be as the head of the EPA. Yeah. Which is Isn't that tight? But I think it's so but the, see now because that he's saying shit like this and the whole Sarah Palin and maybe the sheriff Arapo, is he trolling like is he trying to get fired? Like I feel like he might be trying to not take this position because the things that he's been saying or his kids camp has been saying is kinda like, Are you are you for real? Yeah, I don't I don't know what the fuck I don't understand what's happening. I really I truly don't. I do not know what's happening. I can't believe I've always thought the election was rigged in a lot of ways, or at least to some degree. I, the I've electoral all, college has always sat wrong with me, but the fact that it like worked in favor of Trump, it just throws a wrench in everything. I well, believe. this is the thing. This is the thing. So now another development is that December 19th, I, I never knew this. But apparently, we vote on November. What is it? The first, tu- the first Tuesday of yeah. November, first Tuesday of November, whatever that date is, depending on the year. Uh, and no, is it whatever? Don't quote me on that shit. Whatever. But we vote in November, and at the end of the night, we have a president elect. Oh, you know, and at the end of most of the votes coming, in, we already know who the president's going to be. Now, apparently, I just found out on December nineteenth. The electoral college meets all of them, and then they really commit those votes, and they have the option to change them. Wow! With no penalty, no repercussions. So right now, if Trump is at like two eighty whatever, and she's at two forty something, people who are seeing the fucking aftermath can go into this room and be like, "I want to change my vote. I don't feel right." He got some crazy shit he's popping off and they can then give her the presidency. And so that's what the position is online now. I never now that's when I'm like, this shit is a sham. Yeah. No. What see, the fuck? Here's the one thing I'm gonna say about Trump, man. He's exposed so much of this country. Which is good. Which is good. Which is good. And that's a part of see, this that's is part the of thing. his appeal, I think. This too. is the thing. I would not be so adamantly opposed to Trump. If he di- if he didn't attack Muslims, if he didn't attack people of color, all the other shit that he's called out, I'll be like, yeah, I could see that. I wish politicians talked and kept it real instead of being like, I'm the people. And this is yeah, like, totally. that, I, I don't like that robotic shit because I don't trust it. But when he's up there calling people out, like when he was on the first the first debate and it was like 12 of them. And he was like, I gave you money. I gave you money. I gave you money. And they just all kind of like shut up. I was like, damn, he's called them out on their bullshit. Yeah. But. It's the fucking hateful white supremacist yeah. national shit. Well, it's it's when you have to like you know I know this has been brought up a lot as well, but it, it needs to be when you have a guy openly endorsed by a white nationalist movement and he's not at any point forced to reconcile with that. 
no, they dismissed it. His people said, we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't. That They said that, but he won't address it. He won't say it. David Duke's having a party on Twitter right now. Have you looked at his shit? He's like, oh, we, he's like, yeah. we did it. He's like, we did it. And don't, don't be mistaken. We had a big part in this. We meeting with the white nationalist yeah. movement. Yeah. And now, now are these idiot Trump supporters like, well, yeah, but like, how do you know that this isn't just Hillary people trying to make him look bad? I'm like, dude, you got to stop with this fucking conspiracy theory yeah. shit. Yeah, you know, I'm with I'm with some conspiracy theories. I'll talk about them with you, but this can't be your identity. You yeah. cannot just sit in your computer all day trying to fucking. I saw a buddy use really interesting terminology: mental gymnastics. He used that at a friend of mine who's a Trump supporter. He was like, <laughs> "Man, the mental gymnastics you were going through to justify this to yourself is unbelievable." It's also weird because the guy that I'm talking about is like, for lack of a better term, sort of wiggerish. Yeah, he's he's been a rapper. Ooh, and it's, okay, and it's, and it's like. So it's not like he even lives in this bubble. He lives in New York. Mm. I'm like, dog, like what? How did you get to these? Did you stop talking to any of your black friends? Like, So what did he say when you talk? Because I love, I know that the conversations are different when you're in a room and it's all white people versus a person of color in a room. Sure. So what does he say when no black people are around? As he thinks it's all a media narrative. He thinks he has convinced himself. And the funny thing is he doesn't make enough sense for me to even know where to go. <laughs> where it's just like, it's just this idea that we need to come together right now, not more divisiveness. The left is where all the divisiveness is coming from. You guys are the ones that are calling everybody racist and all the name calling. And that's where the divisiveness is. And all these people that are instigating at Trump rallies are really Hillary people. Yeah, I, so, someone told me that they were paid $1,500 and got an iPhone 7. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then it's interesting because the last one, that the last rally that just happened when they rushed Trump off the stage, it was because it was a white guy who pulled out a sign that said, like, Trump Republicans against Trump, and someone yelled gun. And then they the people in the audience started fighting him, and that's when the Secret Service rushed him off. So but when Trump came back on... What did he say? Oh, uh, I wonder if they paid him $1,500. So he is adding to this fucking theory that people are being paid instead of just people realizing maybe you just don't, people just don't like this guy. They just don't like this guy. White people don't like to admit their privilege either. It's, I mean, I talk about it on stage, but. But see, the thing, the reason why they don't want to admit to, feel like to they're it. Victim. Everybody wants to feel yes. like the world's fucking them. Well, because white people hear privilege and they think that means that they're rich. And they're like, I'm not rich. How am I privileged? I'm not rich. It's like you're you're privileged because you have opportunities. Yeah, it's funny. Like when I'm on the road, when I'm on the road, and I am in a tiny small town, and I walk into like a like a fast food restaurant, and I see white people behind the counter and on the fries and on the grill and at the drive-through, I'm like, damn, y'all really got it bad. Because you don't, we don't imagine me being black and living in New York City. We don't imagine white people ever working those types of jobs. Nope. We don't see it. So when you see it, they be like, "Damn, your whiteness ain't do shit for you because you mm -hmm. on fries." Mm -hmm. And that's what they are like. Yeah, why the fuck am I on fries? I'm white in America. Yeah. I shouldn't be on fries. Yeah, I should have a twenty five dollars an hour job, even though I just got my degree off the internet. Even though, yeah, even though I didn't do shit to earn it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh. So what's been the responses to that post? Are people agreeing with you? Is that is that how you've been weeding out Trump supporters? Yeah, well, a lot of people agree, and I I, I like. It's nice because I've seen some conservatives that normally don't comment on my shit mm -hmm. agreeing with that analysis. Yeah. So I think I'm onto something, because I know a lot of conservatives that outright condemned Trump from the start, mm -hmm. and they were like, I don't know what to do. A lot of Gary Johnson voters. Mm. Um. Do you think that people voted for Gary Johnson contributed to Hillary losing? No. Yeah. I don't think Gary Johnson took anyone from Hillary. 
especially since what the numbers are, it was like 46.9%, 42 or 46.9% of people did not vote at all. Yeah. And then it was 25.6 for Hillary and 25.5. Like they were there, there, the difference is a 0.1% of people who voted for the, that's the difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I think they should make it, I don't know. It's terrible because I want to say like they should make it mandatory for you to vote, but then it's like I the freedom. I want to have the choice to vote or not. Was the Bush presidency to me really revealed that the conservative ticket is based in theory and not in practice? I feel like I don't know. I was I was old enough to see the damage. Hurricane Katrina was big for me because I used to watch Fox News too. Because you know when you're a kid. In a conservative household, Fox News is sold to you as a necessary counter to this blatantly liberal media. So you're basically taught that the mainstream media is is wrong and skewed to make you liberal and that you need to fight that by taking in conservative news sources. But that's like religion. That's like... Exactly. Yeah. That's, all, that's why they're so hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but then watching Hurricane Katrina coverage at a... There's this place called the CX. It was like a... Uh, Almost like a diner, but it was on campus. You could you could use your mm-hmm. campus card to pay for yeah. it, whatever. But it wasn't the cafeteria. It was like more of a like mm-hmm. coffee shop vibe. And I remember being in there with multiple news networks on, and uh, one of my black teammates was sitting with me, and he was just like, see, look at the difference. He's like, look at, look at this. Look at this coverage. And, you know, the Fox News was talking about looters and, you know, violent crimes and all these black people trying to take advantage of the system and all of this. And then, you know, then, but then when you see white people, like they're survivors, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just said, I never, until you're, until you reprogram that wiring, you don't know to even think that way. You don't even know to look at it that way Mm -hmm. or objectively. So that's why, that's one reason that I, I still try to have compassion for people, even when they're voting for Trump is, is wildly irresponsible and and really bad but i'm trying not to approach it like fuck you asshole because yeah. a lot of it is until they've until they've been taught to look at it from another way they just don't know and it, and that's like the most annoying response i know as a black person is we just didn't know like that's just yeah. gonna be old yeah well um, no because we, we are looking at you guys and not i mean not you guys but we're looking at the system and being like well you have a whole history of acting like you didn't know which is also very much so how the, the civil rights movement did not pick up and get national attention until white people in the north same thing okay so let's, let me go back even further slavery really didn't get uh, any opposition nationally until white people from the North went down to the South and they took pictures and they would come back up and put them on postcards and would go door to door and be like, look, this is what's happening in the South. And so that's why we have pictures of like the guy with the lash marks on his back or people being hung or people missing hands or the collars. So these little like, drawn images even before photos these drawn images they would bring them back and make them postcards and sell them and show people like this is what's happening in the south and then people got upset outraged and that's kind of what helped start the anti-slavery movement Mm -hmm. same thing with the civil rights it wasn't until news crews came and saw young teenage kids and you look at those videos now and you see these kids you're like oh they're probably like 18 19 college students no they are like 
10, 11, 12, 13, 14. These are kids in the street being hosed down and having and dogs sicked on them. And when that became on the news, then it was like, oh, this is fucking crazy. We didn't know because we can tell you. But once you see it for yourself, now you're like, oh, I had no idea. I didn't know. Same thing with Vietnam War. When the cameras went over there, then that's why we are like, oh, we are opposed to war. So now we're in another crisis, another social and cultural crisis where we're like, this shit is fucked up. Here are Snapchats, here are Instagram, here are videos of black people getting killed by the police, of age, um, Asian women being harassed in the street, of Muslim men getting beaten up. So now you know. Yeah. And you still vote. And you still vote for Trump. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to put all the pressure on you. As, no, as totally, a, <laughs> totally. No, and I'm frustrated too because, what, what, in, you know, not to try to, it's funny because in the wake of the election it's been a real blame hot potato the thing is i'm not i'm not blaming i'm not i'm not blaming i'm not blaming white people because i travel the country and i see them up close i see the towns i see the factory workers i see the students the people kids who may be the first in their family to go to college so i understand at their core they're not terrible people the majority of them are not terrible people, yeah. but they are so lazy in them not wanting to learn more. Right, totally. That's and, and what I have issue. Because yeah. I mean, when you're white, learning more almost inherently just makes you increasingly uncomfortable. <laughs> so, so is that what happened after you saw the, the Katrina the more, coverage? You know, yeah, I started opening my mind and wanting to be more knowledgeable. And so what was that? I saw racism up close in college. I saw these black guys get the shit kicked out of them at a frat party, and it it got very mob mentality very fast. Mm-hmm. And um. I can't even remember if I was actually going to do something to break it up or if I was paralyzed knowing I should. But I remember like approaching the mob. What happened? What, what, was it, what was this? I don't even remember because I, I, I was drunk as shit this mm-hmm. night. It was just like a crazy party night. Yeah. But I just heard, I was at this party hanging out and uh, sadly this is a, I had just, ple- so after basketball I pledged a fraternity because mm-hmm. I was just like I wanted to experience something different. Yeah. And this is after I'd just gotten in. So I heard, brothers. And I was like, oh, and I turn, and I think there's a problem. So I go running out to see, and it's there was these black guys that played football at Missouri State, which was the other college, the big state school in, in the town. And I don't know, maybe they had done something. I don't know. I never f- knew what happened. Mm-hmm. I just ran out, and I just saw two black guys get dropped and then kicked in their ribs by like five or six guys. And then I was like, uh, and then they stopped. It was like, by the time I was like ready to st- do something, mm-hmm. it had dissipated. You know, everyone kind of parted. Yeah. I, I helped the two guys up and made sure they were okay. Did they, you get kicked out of the frat out of right out of that? Did I? No, no. They didn't get mad at you for helping the black guys? N- no, uh-huh. no, no, no. Yeah. I think a lot of people were in shock. Yeah. And the guy that actually instigated it ended up like, I don't think he got kicked out, but it was kind of known like you're you're a problem, dude. Like, yeah, you're a loose cannon. Yeah, he was a fight picker. He's a he was Michael Rappaport in uh, Higher Learning. There you go, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he was just out for blood. So, but yeah, I saw that. Um, also, just you know, being around black people for any white person that grew up grew up in an all white place will eventually change your mind, even if it's not just sitting around smoking weed and blatantly talking about things. It's mm-hmm. just you know, I remember seeing like. Uh, I, we went to I went to a private school and it was uh, uh, we had our own little security force. So cops actually weren't allowed on campus unless they were called on by security police. Mm, that's the way it should be. Yeah, super, yeah, super super cool for drinking and stuff. <laughs> um, so we you know we'd be having these parties and then you know the cops would come 
And just noticing my black teammates genuine fear and not this isn't like we're playing a character. This isn't like 90s Def Jam yeah. comedy where it's like, y'all know black people are scared of the cops. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. was like a very real, sincere fear and a desire to get as far away as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a lot of things like that. And then really, honestly, this is silly, but um, my first conspiracy video I ever watched in my life was about 9-11 and that was in college. Mm-hmm. And I think just Did it make you of, sick to your stomach? It made me really sick to my stomach. Yeah. It sent me down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. I, I was a libertarian for a while as a result. I think I told you that I was a big Ron Paul guy mm-hmm. until he became, until he revealed himself to be a religious nut. And mm-hmm. then I was off that train and voted yeah. for Obama. But uh, yeah, it made me feel really sick. And it, cause you know, when you're conservative and you're raised that way, a lot of it is rooted in patriotism. Like I, I remember, you know, like I used to be that guy when the national anthem would play before a game, I would like hold my hand on my heart and like squint and get that stoic, (laughs) proud to be an American face. (laughs) It's because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. This is my grandfather was a World War II vet, Mm -hmm. uh, hero, purple heart, gold clusters, all that. I never did that. And genuinely was a hero. I mean, his story is insane. Yeah, so, I played basketball too, and when they play the anthem, I'd be thinking about anything else. Anything but, else, sure. Because yeah. it means wildly different things for us. Yeah, you if know? you see black people standing up when the anthem is played and their hands are behind their back and their head is down, they think about what they're going to eat after the game. Mm-hmm. They are not thinking about it at all. They think right. about other shit. Right, and even even my, my dad, I think, because his father was the one that was the World War II hero, so this is my dad's side. My, my dad's side is, they were Republican for sure, but they yeah. were much more reasonable. It was, certainly was not racially fueled. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was a small business owner. It was all taxes. It was all keep the government's hand out of my pocket. Yeah. Um, which, you know, when I said Fox News Republican earlier, by the way, what I meant was strictly backed up by the Fox News narrative mm-hmm. and not as much as a political ideology so much as it is, a, this is our team. Yeah. Dad's parents were more ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the 9-11 conspiracy theory stuff, it just put me in a point where I, you know, it shattered the illusion that the government is looking after us and, yeah. want, and, and has our best interest at heart. And Republicanism is really sort of built on that idea, which actually, I guess so is liberalism. It's like, yeah. Well, I just I heard I just heard a conspiracy theory that um the reason why Gaddafi, the former president of Libya was killed is because he was trying to get all of the uh countries in Africa to form an African Union and have a common currency that would be based on the gold standard, which is the absolute top level of currency and would have instantly made Africa because that's where all the gold is, the number one richest continent in the world. And they was like, "Oh, he got to go." And so they quote, I'm giving air quotes. They, they killed him because of that. That, was, that would not surprise me. Yeah. Black excellence scares a lot of people and African excellence is a whole different story. Oh yeah. That's, that's pure uncut excellence right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's I'm so, so crazy. By the way, I'm so mad. I, I wrote a script and I was really happy that in the script I compared Trump. I said he was white people's Malcolm X. And then two days later, Chappelle said it and it like went viral. Oh, damn. And it was like in the script that I'm going to start filming. Well, and I was better. so proud of that. I was like, dude, this interaction is going to be great. People are going to love this. Well, you better come up with another black man. I got to find something else. Um, who is he? Donald Trump is white people's. Louis Farrakhan. But he's just the same. No, he is white people. You want a radical. Angry. Hmm. Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> you want him to be a black person? Trump is white 
people's because make america great again really is like it has weird parallels to well first of all make america great again was actual ronald reagan slogan and uh nobody realized that he stole he just lifted everything he lifted everything oh yeah you know what there's the other point i wanted to make my grandma once told me that Reagan was the best president of her lifetime, and it made me realize the way conservatives, what we were talking about earlier, what white people that reject all the notions of privilege fail to realize is, you know, Reagan sold his whole thing on rising tides raise all ships, but that's mm-hmm. actually not true. It seems to be more of a teeter-totter effect. Yeah. Where the more people that you need to rise up, the more people you need to push down. Of course. Down. And it's, yeah, it's not, Creating these opportunities for insane wealth for you are probably at the expense of some, yeah they are at the expense of something but you don't see those people so it doesn't matter it's, it's like matter. it's like the kids behind the curtain making the shoes you have no idea you just know you got some new shoes yep you don't care yeah there's just a lack of care and awareness it's really fucking sad yeah but so now let me ask you this I like to end all the podcasts with this question uh, Kenny DeForest what makes you a social misfit oof um. I think I would say uh, I think one thing I'm proud of myself for is I come from a stock of people that normally don't care about the things that I care about. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of myself for knowing that that's what I wanted to be. And, and I guess not to pat myself on the back too hard, but having the courage to do it because. How do know, they how do they embrace you when you first started breaking away from like the cloth? My parents have been great. I think they secretly always wanted this. Really? Yeah. They, I mean, the plants of being open-minded were, were planted very young. My mm-hmm. mom used to encourage me to go to temple with my Jewish best friend, and she encouraged me to go to mosques. I, would, I had a girl in my class that was Muslim, and I never actually did because at that point I was like, oh, all religion is dumb to me. But, mm-hmm. you know, having a mother that's openly saying, no, it's fine. You should experience these other things. Yeah. It was very, very helpful. Um. I definitely get shit, you know, from people and, you know, that, oh, you're just a rich kid that feels bad about it, you know, that type of shit. But people are going to say <laughs> what they say. I don't know what to tell you, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm a social misfit in that I uh, I speak out for people. I don't know. I speak out against my own best interests sometimes mm-hmm. for the greater good. And, I, and I'm genuine in that. And I'm genuine in my desire to be a good uh i guess ally or whatever um which is important i think more so now i feel like white people if you see an interaction of somebody intimidating a person of color or lgbtq you have to you not have to but you should be compelled to step in you have to even if it's to call the police even if it's to come up after the incident and make sure that person's okay that they're safe Mm -hmm. or take a photo or video because it that to me is compliance Mm -hmm. like how can you go home at night and be like man i saw this muslim woman have her hijab ripped off it was terrible and just not feel compelled to yeah i know you i mean you have to there's no more sitting on the sidelines bullshit one thing that trump might do is this would be the first time in the history where we kind of have to be better than our president Mm -hmm. maybe not the first time in history our history modern history modern history of my lifetime where I've had a president that I didn't feel well Bush was a little bit that way I guess see the thing with Bush we just thought he was dumb as fuck yeah I knew see I remember I remember that election 2000 when he was up against Al Gore and I was in college and it was my first election where I was fully aware of what was at stake you know I was like 19 I was fully aware and I didn't 
vote because I didn't I didn't have time to go home and vote and I didn't I wasn't gonna do like I mean I I went to school in New York City so I really all I had to do was like take the train home but I couldn't because I had some like whatever shit I didn't go and also in my mind I knew like oh I know Al Gore's gonna win New York anyway we're a blue state so mm-hmm. I'm I'm good you know that's the the feeling and so try to stay up as late as possible and those results in Florida just were not in and it was like you know Tim Russert had his little dry erase board and I'm watching I'm trying to stay up and I was like damn I gotta go so I remember going and laying down and going to sleep but it's been like at least 12 31 o'clock in the morning I was like Lord please let Al Gore be our next president and when I woke up the next morning and it still was on the fence and it was like oh Bush won I was like and I said to myself I was like this is going to forever change this country forever forever we are going to feel the ramifications of this and we are 16 years later we are in this position because of that presidency Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm embarrassed to say i voted for him that first election yeah because i was still my grandpa's thoughts yeah i was still playing the company line or playing team ball or Mm -hmm. whatever because i didn't think about that shit especially you know i mean i was i don't know about how you were but i was a basketball player as you were and um i wasn't a great student i just cared about ball Mm. you know I was a great student. I didn't really care about ball. I did it as oh. I did it as a way to get uh, funding for college. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I went to, I went to a Division three school, so I didn't get an athletic scholarship. But because I played, of course, they were like, "Well, we'll, we'll you know, help your financial aid package a lot more because you're going to play on a team." So I just was like, "I'm just doing this shit so I can get my degree. I don't give a fuck. I'm not. I never had any plans of ever playing out there. I wasn't going to play in the WNBA. Right. I wasn't going to go overseas. I was just like, let me go to a good school and get a degree." and be done so yeah. that was my plan totally. well did you think you were going to go to the nba i didn't think i was going to go to the league i just don't know that i ever thought about it like that i guess i don't know i was just so one track minded when i was in high school about just being as good as i possibly could yeah but i need a goal like uh, be good and then what be good and and be al bundy talking about poke high at well i mean I, did, I, want, I wanted a scholarship yeah that was a big thing mm-hmm. i think that was born out of always feeling lucky i'm an only child I've never been hungry in my life. Probably mm-hmm. never will be. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been very painfully aware of that. And I think I hit a point where I was like, I just don't want my parents to pay for college. They fucking given me this life already. So would you, so you consider yourself coming from like a middle class, upper middle class, upper or, middle class. It's yeah. not, it's not like extreme wealth. It's not like my dad's on the board of some corporate company. Yeah. Uh, but after world war two, my grandfather, worked his way up uh, at the tractor supply company, which is just, it's like a corporation. It's still around. It's like farm supply stores. Uh And then he just hated the corporate world. Um, Did one quick business venture in Arizona where he sold RVs and then moved to Springfield, Missouri, where I ended up being born and raised and bought a farm supply store that was not doing as well. Bought two brothers out. Mm -hmm. And he's just brilliant. Brilliant business by my grandpa. And uh, he grew the business like like 200% over five years without ever taking out a loan. Mm. He would just reinvest all the profits and grow and grow and grow. And really smart guy, really bright. And so that's where your dad works. Kept growing the company. And then my dad and uncle both uh, have worked there for many years. And then my dad and uncle expanded two stores. So, and then my grandfather got bought out. My my grandfather, I think, had opened three or four, got bought out on two of them and then bought his other partner out on one so then he had two that's right and then now there's a third that my dad and uncle started Mm -hmm. so they run these three stores through south missouri got it so and there was some lean times like i you know i i i might even oversell my 
privilege just because I'm so aware of it. And I've always had, I grew up with a pool in my backyard and I've always been like, this is better than a lot of people. Yeah. But also to me, I feel like every house in the Midwest has a pool in the backyard. Well, damn near half of them. That's probably true. Yeah. So that's not like, to me, that's not like a big luxury, but I'm from New York city and I, and I know what that's like, I guess by New York city standards. Yes. Having a pool in your backyard is a luxury. Yeah. But But when you, but when you are in the Midwest, everybody has a pool, at least above ground or, or something. You got something. Yeah. Right. 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 And like, and the house I grew up in was modest. I mean, my dad was very much investing back in the business. So yeah, I mean, there were years in the nineties where it got really tight and it was, and we were worried and and it's a family business. So where do you, what are you going to do? Who's taking over? My, my cousins work, for them um and then otherwise i mean my thing was always you know i told my my dad luckily he always told me my whole life he was like look if this is the path you want to take obviously i'm your father i'm here for that i'll help you i'll train you he's like you're gonna start at the bottom and work your way up just like i did you're not just gonna step in here to a cushy job so would you at some point ever go back in and take over the family business no no i mean i'm i'm a comedian that's it you know yeah Uh, i'm committed to this lifestyle I did early too. I think part of it was I just knew I wasn't going to have a passion for it. And and I felt like it was unfair to the employees for me to do that just because it's like yeah. there's a lot of really passionate people. There's people in leadership positions now that could probably run the store way better than I could that mm-hmm. have been there for years. Yeah. So, you know, anything that I inherit as far as that goes, my number one priority will be putting it in good hands that will keep the business running the way it does. Because I'm proud of the way they do, you know, especially in this climate of, of uh, you know, fucking people over and CEOs taking exorbitant raises. You know, my, my family has consistently made it their top priority to keep all of their employees employed. And so when things get tight, they cut their salaries. They yeah. tighten every, they tighten the ship. Mm-hmm. And they just do their best to keep everybody. In so how do the they guard. feel about Obama? How do they feel about Obama presidency? Um, I mean, so this is one consistent thing that I've heard from conservatives that I, I think cannot be overlooked. Obamacare has been a giant strain on small business owners. Mm-hmm. That, I hear that consistently across the board. Yeah. And they're very frustrated because it's like I've provided insurance for my. And I don't fully understand what change it was that made it so much more burdensome Mm -hmm. but i know that's a problem i know one thing my dad has said he's like he's like i think everyone should have access to health care don't get me wrong i also just don't think it should be required if you want to stay uninsured that's your choice and i think that's where it made it really expensive because he's like because what my dad always said was if you're uninsured and you get seriously hurt you go to the er anyway yeah and you're not billed yeah. you don't have insurance they're just like well, well i guess we got to cover that i know i did not know that i did not know that if you don't have insurance they still have to treat you in an emergency room yeah so that, and part of the problem was people would go to the er with the flu if they didn't have insurance well i got bit by a bodega cat and uh i Ooh. ended up in the emergency room and not not for that i went hours later when my legs started tingling and i got a tetanus shot and it was 900 dollars, and i paid it because i didn't know that i didn't have to pay it my friend's like, why did you pay it? Because I'm like, when it comes to people calling me and be like, you owe money? I'm like, no, I, I don't want to owe you no money. Let's pay this and get this shit done. Yeah. And they were like, you should not have paid that money. So, look yeah. at me. Yeah, I have a bill collector calling right now and I'm afraid to answer. I don't know who it is. I think it's fake, but 
I also have a credit card, but it's, I don't know, I've been paying it. I don't know, whatever. We'll figure it out. You better figure it out. I should probably answer the phone next time. Answer the phone and ask them what they want. Because you didn't you see uh, last week tonight, John Oliver, when he paid everybody's medical bills off? Oh, no. So basically, fun fact, if you owe a bill and it's gone into collections, that, was, that collection agency is basically, they they bought that debt for the penny, pennies on the dollar. So if I'm Sears and I have a bill that you owe me, not you, but if someone owes me a bill of $1,500, I sell it to you for pennies on a dollar and you might have paid $150. Now you own that debt. You bought it from me. You own that debt. Now you're going to call a person that owed me $1,500 and say, hi, I'm, you know, Kenny, you owe us money and we your bill is in collections from Sears and now you need to pay us the full $1,500 so they make a profit. So that's why when everybody tells you, listen, if you got something in collections and they call you, tell them you don't have it, tell them you're willing to pay a fraction of it and they normally take it because they've already paid pennies on a dollar. Mm. So any profit, doesn't matter if it's 1000 or 200 they'll take it. They'll take it. Okay. That's good to know. Good oh, to know. Now you know. know. Yeah. I've just been, I've just been dodging because I, I just didn't want to confirm because I've been called before about a PayPal debt and then I called PayPal like, no, we don't have anything on file for you. And I'm like, this is fake. You're trying to, because they're scam artists. Oh yeah, right? they are definitely scam artists. Yeah. Don't ever give anybody information. If somebody tells you that you owe them money, you just say, send me a bill in the mail. Yeah. And then when you get the bill, you can call them back and say, or you can always look at your credit report because if anything is in collections, it's on your credit report and they know they have to have a number. You can also contest things on your credit report electronically, like in the in the program. So if you go to like a, um, Equifax, Experian or Trans, I think it's TransUnion. Those are the three ones. If you go and look at your credit report, you can find the name of the creditor, call them and say, hey, this isn't my debt. I don't know what it is. And they say, well, we have a signature. And you'd be like, send me the signature. And you'd be like, oh, it's not me. I don't know who that is. And they'll just take it off. Or you can contest it. And so when you contest it, when you contest it in, do, through the credit union, I mean, through the uh, credit check, if you contest it, then TransUnion has to contact that creditor and say, we need you to reconfirm this credit. And if they don't, then they take it off your credit report. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's very easy to clean up your credit report. You just have to do the work. I cleaned up my credit report in three months. Mm. I only had maybe like two or three things. They weren't really crazy things, but I got I got two of them, like two things got taken off and one thing I think I had to pay. Other than that, I was good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Okay. We we teach you things here on yeah. Social Misfit. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kenny. I mean, I know this. If you're listening, we appreciate you listening. I know there's so much going on in the world. We can't even get our thoughts together. So if this sounded like a little all over the place, um, which is the organic feeling that I want this podcast to have, but I know that emotionally we're both like rubbing. Our, we're over here rubbing our eyes and pulling our hair out and freaking out. Like we need a drink. I probably should have had alcohol for this episode. Uh, yeah, I, I was gonna. You know, it's so funny. I said after Hillary gets elected, I'm going to take a break from booze. I'm going to take like a, <laughs> a month, but like there's 0% chance that I'm doing that right now. Oh, I had two drinks last night. I had two drinks. I was on a, I wasn't on a, I wouldn't say it was a date, but I hung out with this gentleman fellow and after a show I had, and I had, I had two drinks and he had four. And by the end of the night, I was so tipsy. But in the mind, my my subconscious, I was like, I think I'm gonna have a couple drinks this week because I'm not a big drinker at all. So yeah. two drinks and I'm done. Yeah, I'm good done. for you. Yeah, I got that Irish blood, yo. I need like fifteen. Well, I'm so petite. 
you know yeah. so it goes straight to my blood system to you, girl. <laughs> I, I i don't even understand my tolerance it's to the point where it's like and it's always been that way no when i first started drinking it was like i need like six beers to feel a thing oh i hate beer yeah i hate beer it makes me feel bloated it makes you burp it's gross it's gnarly it's not as it's not obsessed with now, you guys. This is important. You need to know this right now more than ever. Not Trump. Not white privilege. Not. Nah. This is this is this is for everybody. This will affect everybody positively equally. You're so excited. I about just this. learned this. Did you know that tequila is the only alcohol that is not a depressant? It is a stimulant, and that's why people get extra crazy on tequila. But in this time where we don't need more depression, yeah, I highly recommend if you're gonna drink, have a tequila cocktail. I've been doing that. I just tell the bartender something with tequila. Here's kind of what I like because I don't know tequila cocktails yeah. that well. It is such a better time. Really? Yeah. Just, so that's why people are like shot, 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 yeah, shot. That's shot, why tequila shot, has shot, a reputation shot, like shot, shot, her clothes shot, fall shot. off because everyone's just like. Oh, good to know. I'm gonna have a drink tonight. Oh yeah, get you some tequila, girl. It'll, it'll make you feel better. Thank you so much, Kenny. Where can people follow you on social media? Uh, Kenny DeForest, K-E-N-N-Y-D-E-F-O-R-E-S-T. I'm so lucky I'm the only person. Mm. I'm not the only person named that, but I'm the only person trying to build any sort of social media following name. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram. website. There you go. KennyDeForest.com. It's all there. Thank you for hanging out at my kitchen table. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.